0: Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to Going There, the crossroads where music and mental health meet. Today we are talking with singer, songwriter, and musician Taylor Cameron Upsall, better known as the artist Upsall. Upsall released her Young Crisis Life EP in 2020, with Billboard magazine calling her music as catchy as it was relatable. She has also co-written songs for artists such as Dua Lipa and has been featured as a singer on tracks with artists such as Big Boy. And Upsall has just released her debut studio album, Lady Jesus, on Arista Records, which includes the single Thriving. People magazine just profiled her as one of the top emerging artists of the year. Upsal now touring the United States and will join Youngblood on the West Coast leg of his tour starting March 2022. So check out her music and info at upsall.com. Now on the Going There podcast, we have the tough conversations to address important issues so we can learn from each other, challenge the stigma of mental illness, and get the care we need. And what Upsall and I talk about is unfortunately a very common and painful subject, which is the anxiety that we experience following a breakup. One of the things that is so difficult about breakups is how central our relationships, particularly our romantic relationships, can be in our lives. And so when we have a breakup, it can feel like our whole being has been undermined. In fact, Upsal talks about feeling like her sense of self was so rattled that she was having an identity crisis. But even before a breakup, doing the hard work necessary to build a relationship can be very anxiety provoking. Often, that's because we have to become vulnerable to the person we care about and open with our feelings, open to learning how to be a better partner, and of course, open to loss. And Upsal talks about how she understood and managed her anxiety. She talks about specific techniques, including songwriting and journaling. But one of the most important things that Upsall did to cope with her breakup was being willing to feel her feelings without judgment or restriction. And this is so important as mourning a loss of any kind can be complex and difficult, and we need to give ourselves the space and room to heal in our own way and in our own time. Now, as we progress through this season of Going There, our goal is to bring you, the audience, further into the conversation. On the Consequence website and wherever you find these episodes, you'll also find a short questionnaire. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions you have that have been sparked by our conversations with these incredible artists, and topics you'd love to see addressed. We incorporate these responses into episodes, as well as a monthly column called Ask Dr. Mike on the Consequence website. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. These help other folks find their way into the conversation so they can go there with us. So let's go there and listen to what Upsall has to say. So welcome to going there.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm stoked to be here.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. So let's get right into it. You have talked about in some of your recent songs about the anxiety associated with a breakup. And obviously, that is something that almost everyone has gone through. But not everybody necessarily talks about it in a way that you have so that You know, we can kind of think about it and try to understand it for you, understand what we're going through. So, why don't we just start there and what that was like?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's funny because now looking back in hindsight, like I made an entire album about this breakup. And then while I was also going through the breakup, I was promoting an EP that was about me having a young life crisis and like, looking back, it's so easy for me to very quickly be like, oh my gosh, Taylor, you were being so dramatic. Like everybody goes through a breakup. Everybody has like low points. But I think this whole journey of like promoting my feelings, I guess, and my mental breakdowns through songs has made it so, it's been a really inspiring thing for me to then hear fans be like, oh my God, I feel the same way. I'm so glad you wrote a song about this. Like, because I didn't know that other people like felt this way. And I think- making these songs and just going through something that you know everybody goes through at some point in their life or goes through a few times in their lives, such as like a breakup for me it was such a I don't know like some days I would be like nobody understands me like only I feel this way because like this relationship was just different it was unlike any other and like nobody gets me and I would just like get in my feels about that and then I would realize like no everybody feels this way or even if it is like a weird feeling like there's odds are someone else out there feels the same way so for me it was just a really like eye-opening experience i guess about just like feelings and feeling alone because like you never really are alone in like what you feel you know yeah now
0: when you use the term mental breakdown usually what people are referring to is broadly speaking just something does not feel like it's working but that may be different for different people. I'm kind of curious for you what that experience was.
1: Yeah. I mean, with this whole breakup, like the, the person that I broke up with was like the only person I'd ever really been with. And we were together for so long, like started dating when I was in high school, like moved to LA together. My like half of my identity was this person and like was being in this relationship. And it ended pretty much like overnight, like didn't really know it was going to happen. And we just like ended things. And um, then I was kind of sitting there and I was like, I literally feel like half of me just was like cut out and like walked away. And now I like have half of me now. And I was like kind of having an identity crisis where I was like, I need to figure out who I am now without this person. Like what type of friend am I now? What type of like artist am I now? What's like just everything. I was completely lost on who I was. And, kind of, you know, as I'm having this like identity crisis, I'm also trying to like get over this person while trying to like put in the work on myself. So it was kind of this thing also while promoting my music that was about, you know, a mental breakdown or whatever that I had had kind of prior to the breakup or whatever. So a lot of emotions were happening at once. And for me, I guess the only way I felt like I could process it was by being as like open as I could honestly when going into the studio, um, I still regret the fact that I didn't go to therapy during all of this, but I'm so grateful that I had songwriting because it was its own little fucked up version of therapy for me, I guess. Um, So yeah, I would just, I guess, however I was feeling, you know, on said day, I would just kind of bring that energy into the studio and turn it into a song and either it would come out and fans would get to relate to it or it would just be for me. So yeah, I'm just like thankful for, for songwriting during that during that whole mental breakdown for sure.
0: And one of the things you're talking about with identity in relationships that's so tough is that at times it feels like a little bit of a game of chicken in the sense that in order for a relationship to work at its fullest, it's optimal if someone can just put themselves all in, because that's kind of what we're all looking for. We're looking for somebody who can be all in with us. And yet, Every step we take towards being all in, and sometimes it happens right away, is a step that we realize, like, wow, if this does not work out, I I don't even know who I am exactly. Totally. And that's that's a very dangerous feeling for a lot of people. It's the reason why a lot of people don't actually put themselves fully into relationships.
1: 100. Yeah, I mean, I think now... I'm so grateful for that relationship. It was amazing. It taught me so much, but now being out of it, I'm so grateful that it ended because now I'm, you know, realizing like some, when I look at like couples who are just like, like goals or whatever um, I realize it's because both of them can fully function and be their, their own people, like separate from each other, which makes them coming together, like even more, you know, powerful and like magical. So now I guess it's set my personal standards for whatever my future relationships may be a lot higher than they were before. And yeah, I think it's so important. I mean, like, there's something so fun too, especially when you're young about just like going like head over heels, like just fucking full sending it into a relationship and and being all in. But then yeah, you're so right. Like when it ends, it's a disaster because then you're completely lost and you like lose a part of yourself in it. So I think I think it's, it's essential for, for people to, to go through the sort of like figuring out who I am single before kind of like getting into something else, you know.
0: And the thing that's so tough about that is, I mean, not to not to rain on anyone's parade, but every relationship that we're in, except for maybe one is going to end. You know, maybe if we're lucky, we we die in somebody's arms who we love and who loves us. But otherwise, whether it's through breakup or or death or sickness, whatever it may be, things are going to end. And so it's it's crucial that we have an understanding of how we want to both think about ourselves in relationships, but then also how are we going to think about ourselves coming out of relationships? Mm -hmm. And this thing that you're, you're kind of alluding to is the idea of how do we simultaneously throw ourselves totally in, but then when we come out of it, actually feel more whole paradoxically which is again kind of almost the opposite of what we've just been talking about but that does seem to be the key
1: yeah that's actually rad as you're saying that i was just thinking like you're so right we're lucky if like one of our relationships doesn't end, like most good things end um yeah i guess i guess it's important to and me since this breakup i've just been like putting everything in the music. I've barely been dating, which has been amazing. I feel like I'm like dating myself, but going into that world whenever I decide to like, I think it's such a cool kind of like refreshing way to look at relationships and being with people is more of a like, regardless of how it ends, like, let's have a good ass time. And maybe I'll learn some shit about myself and whether it ends or, you know, last forever like I think just making it more of like a positive thing and like yeah I don't know that's actually so interesting thinking about like how do you get out of something and feel like more whole I guess for me with with this one relationship the biggest way that I found closure was just accepting the fact that I would never get closure and then kind of just taking like the good parts of that and trying to bring that into, you know, whatever my future relationships may be. And also just like the lessons I've learned from it, but yeah, that's such an interesting, yeah, that's an interesting point for sure. And you
0: know, the thing that you're talking about, about closure, and that's one of the things that's really, really tough. You know, when I work with people who've been through breakups or couples who are going through breakups and, and everybody wants to know why. Everything's about why. And the problem is is that we don't oftentimes even know ourselves why you know if, if we're someone who breaks up with someone, we're not like a hundred percent sure why, like maybe we think we are, but we, we don't necessarily know. And even if we know, we're not necessarily going to share it. And so I think what you're talking about is a certain acceptance of this this answer that we're looking for is not necessarily ever going to be there and the more that we keep pushing for it sometimes the more the, the more damaging effects of a breakup can occur
1: yeah yeah I also just think the biggest thing I had to yeah I was constantly just asking myself why and what if and what if I did this different or you did this different none of that matters like it ended for a reason the what the the why I guess yeah you're right like no one really knows why sometimes things just end and it's just not meant to be and I think that was like the moment where I was able to be like, wow, I genuinely like, not like do not care why you like don't want to be with me, but I just genuinely don't care anymore. And I can just like, let it go was the most like freeing thing ever. I think it's just, yeah. Finding, being able to like find the closure within yourself on those things rather than like relying on the other person for closure is like, yeah, a a big (laughs) bit for sure.
0: And, And then to even riff on that a little bit, you know, i uh, getting dangerously close to saying the greatest love of all is inside of me. But let's just say it because, you know, why not? Yeah. I, there, there's two, to a certain extent, when we feel things in a relationship, when we are things in a relationship, whether we like it or not, that's all coming from within us. It's not something that the other person is providing. It's something that the, that the, the connection with that person has unlocked or has revealed but it is something that we have in us and i think that one of the things that people will say is they're like well, i'm 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 afraid i'll never feel that way again i'll never see myself that way i'll never you know feel so powerful or so connected and and i and i get that and i don't want to ever minimize somebody's feelings with the breakup but to recognize that all of those things that happen are still residing within you to some degree and you do, whether you know it or not, take that with you after a breakup.
1: Yeah. I think that is so beautiful. Like, yeah, don't, but I guess like the idea of like, Cause I I've gone through this so much over the past like year, you know, of like, I would so much rather just like never fall in love again. That shit sucked. Like I would never want to get my heart broken again. I'd rather just have no feelings and just love myself. Um, it's so easy to like get into that and like be super, you know, pessimistic about the whole thing. Um, but that's, I guess, just me like keeping my, my guard up or whatever. Um, But yeah, I love that. I actually genuinely have never thought about the fact that it's like not the other person that is making you feel these feelings. Like they're all within you. It's just unlocking it. Oh, that's so beautiful. And there's not just one person that can like unlock that for you.
0: Hi there. This is Dr. Mike Friedman from Going There with Dr. Mike, the crossroads where music and mental health meet. After you check out the latest episode of my show, be sure to check out some of the other great programs on Consequence Podcast Network, including the Opus and Kyle Meredith With. Head to consequence.net to listen to these podcasts and many great others. I think you said all feelings are valid. Yeah. I think that was the phrase that you said. And when we talk about the coping strategies for coming out of a relationship, so let's say there's, there's one piece, which is, You know, like, what did I learn and how can I grow? But then there's the other part, which is that a lot of times people will not let you know that what you're feeling makes any sense. And that is so damaging. Well, it's it's only damaging, I guess, if you believe someone. Mm -hmm. But, But one of the things that is, I think, so important about that statement is the idea that when you're coming out of a breakup, there is no playbook for how to do it. Anybody who tells you, it's like saying that that there's a playbook for grieving a loss or a death. It's just, there, there's no playbook for that. And one of the worst things we can do is tell ourselves like, this is the way to come out of a breakup. This is the way to get over quote unquote someone. And to me, that is absolutely dangerous because everybody's journey is kind of different in that way.
1: Yeah, that I think is the most like important thing to remember is like, sometimes your feelings don't make sense. Sometimes there's no explanation for why you feel some type of way and being able to just live in that and be like, I feel this way and I'm not quite sure why, but I don't need to. And it's, I feel this way and it just is what it is. I think is like so important. Um, Yeah. Especially going through, I mean, any sort of, not even just like a breakup, just any shitty experience. Like, every person's role or like personal kind of experience within that is so unique. So therefore no, one's going to feel, feel the same or have the same outlook on the whole thing. And I just feel lucky. I mean, like my friends, I feel so bad for, they had, you know, I would call them up crying pretty much every night and like they had to just, they did such a good job of being like, not trying to tell me how to feel or be like, it'll be fine, blah, blah, blah. They just kind of let me just feel it. And we're just there to like, be there. And um yeah, having those people in your life is game changer especially during during situations like that. But yeah, I just think like going back to like music, I guess, that's why music is so rad cuz there's it we talk about feelings that maybe some someone listening didn't think other people felt, you know.
0: Yeah, and one of the things about music that I that I think I get the most out of is what you just said, it's feeling okay to not feel okay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that's very tough, I think sometimes for us to wrap our heads around is the idea that we can be simultaneously feeling horrible about something, but yet we could still be growing. We could still be learning. We could still be discovering ourselves. You know, like one of the things I'll say to people I'm working with is that you gotta try to make sure that your ability like your mojo, like your ability to feel good, to to feel powerful, to feel like you can really do things in life. And your ability to really get into the depths of despair are both active at all times. And they have to be separate to a degree, you know, because like, if you think that, well, if I'm having a really good time, that means I can't get into the depths of my feelings. Well, you're not going to want to have a good time.
1: I also just, I think like, like, the biggest thing that I used to get so irritated at people for telling me was like, it just takes time. Like time heals everything. And I was like, literally shut up. Like, don't tell me that. But like, as time goes by and you're, you're having these really high highs, but simultaneously having these really low lows and you feel like you're not making like progress with anything. Like, and then all of a sudden you look back and it's been like a month and you're like, wow, I feel a million times better than I did a month ago, but it's because those, the good and the bad kind of coexist in a way that, like, yeah, you. Know, I don't know. Yeah, what you were saying, it makes sense. Yeah,
0: and that that the thing about time heals everything, um, that's a little rough. I I agree with you because you know the truth is is that time doesn't heal everything. Sometimes we don't heal in the way that we think we're going to heal from a loss or from a breakup, and that's okay. Like we can have that part of us that if we revisit that situation, something just feels like it's churning or something feels like it's unresolved. And and maybe that means just because we haven't, maybe that means because it never will, but it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with us. And that gets back into that all feelings being valid concept.
1: Yep. No, for sure. I think that's the other thing too, is like and this might just be me being like a hopeless romantic, a hopeless romantic, but I don't think you ever fully get over like when you're like in love with someone, you're never going to fully be like, unless it ends like really horribly, you're never going to be like, yeah, this person's dead to me. I could not care less, like props to you. If you can feel that way, I cannot feel that way. So yeah, you know, like it's been a year and like, there's still like, if some shit will happen, that'll like trigger a certain emotion. And then I'm like crying over this person that I haven't seen in a year. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? Like get over it. But it's like, yeah, you're right. Like so much time can go by, but like sometimes feelings just happen and you can't control them. And it just is what it is. And I think the biggest thing that I've grown to learn is just like, you have to just accept that. Like sometimes you're going to feel things you don't want to feel and you just have to roll with it, I guess. Yeah.
0: No. One of the things that sometimes people want to know is if somebody has a specific practice for doing what you're describing, you know, one thing we can talk about is if there's anything specifically you do with your music, but also do you do anything just in your life? Like some people journal or they meditate or, you know, whatever it is.
1: Yeah. I mean, songwriting for me is like kind of the biggest way for me. to process, my emotions, Um, but yeah, I love journaling. That's like my favorite thing to do when I'm having a bit of a a bad day. One of the things that I, I live in Los Angeles, so I'm, I get to like drive to the beach, which is awesome. So during, you know, the lowest points of this breakup, it would be the middle of the night and I would be like having, I would just be sobbing and I'd be like, I don't want to wake my roommates up. So I would like drive to the beach and kind of have this like breakdown on the beach and there was something that the action, like I would literally like push my arms out and be like, okay, now all this negativity, like I let it out, I cried about it. And now it's going into the ocean. I'm sitting on the edge of the continent and I can just throw these feelings like out into, into the abyss and turn some Beyonce on in the car ride home. And I'm back, like I got rid of those feelings and something about like thinking of it in a physical way like that, of like pushing these negative feelings that I just processed away was like so amazing. I went to the beach like five nights a week for a minute and just like cried and then was fine. And then it would happen again the next night. And I think like just finding a way of like visualizing these negative thoughts going somewhere was was big for me for sure.
0: Yeah. And I just want to piggyback on that because I think both the, visual, the visualization of where do the emotions lie? I think that's such an important thing because, you know, we give it plenty of attention and we give our emotions so much attention, but what we usually do is we just let it run amok. Like it's everywhere. It's in, you know, head to toe, like it's in other rooms in our part. We feel like it's everywhere that we go. And that idea of feeling like I'm, I'm getting my arms around it a little bit, you know, this isn't, infinite. Mm -hmm. This isn't infinite in time. It's not infinite in space. That idea is very important. I really like that idea, that concept of visualizing it in in whatever way works for somebody and then doing what you want with it. Sometimes it's pushing it out. Sometimes it's just sitting with it. Sometimes people will actually like talk to their feelings, like they're Mm -hmm. a separate thing. Um, Whatever it is, I think that's an amazing thing to do.
1: Yeah, I agree. I have a friend who um, <laughs> the only reason I know any like tips from therapy is because my friend does a lot of therapy and like I get in on her little tips, but yeah, she like personifies like her anxiety and like named it and it has a name and she'll like talk to it and be like, get out today, like stop annoying me. And I think that's so fun. Like I've, I've started to use that in my life too. There's so many ways of just like making your feelings like a a thing or like an identity, I think it makes it a lot more easy to like grasp as a person, yeah.
0: And it's, it's something we do with people with binge eating disorder in a similar way with that I think what you're talking about with anxiety. So one of the things that happens with binge eating disorder is that we have this feeling that comes over us and there's this sense of lost control. Like there's this compulsion, like I've got to get some kind of food in me for whatever reason. And one of the ways that, or one of the steps I should say that, that people take is, well, if you're going to eat the food, instead of just going through it really fast, why don't you, whatever food you're going to have, go get it, sit at a table, put it all out, relax, and eat it slowly. Give yourself permission to eat as much food as you want, but don't necessarily feel like you have to do it so quick that you lose all sense of control over the situation. And paradoxically, that can often help people feel a little bit more like, oh, like, I never really thought about that. I never thought that it was OK to do it that way. I thought I had to do it really quick because I'm ashamed of it. You know, I don't want anyone to see it. And it, it it flips the script a little bit. And I feel like that's what you're talking about with anxiety is this idea of like, look, when you're just feeling all overwhelmed by anxiety, you don't have to be like, oh, I have to do with the quick I have to I don't know what to do. You can stop and just be like, OK anxiety I know that's not necessarily easy for people so I don't I don't want to minimize that but Mm -hmm. if you can try sitting there and just saying hey anxiety you're there you know now let's have a conversation and that that can be such a powerful effect if you can get around to that
1: totally I think it's so easy for me like once I get you know it's so easy to spiral so quick with anxiety so and it's so easy to just like be so overwhelmed that you're just like you feel just like completely out of control and everything's falling apart and it's the end of the world and yeah I think I still don't really know how to do it what you're talking about but yeah I've been trying to just learn to be like okay like let me take a couple deep breaths like I'm extremely anxious right now let me write down the things I'm anxious about and now that gives me like a little sense of control of like okay here's my list of like maybe it's your to-do list like things you need to do like for me it's all about like visualizing I guess so like if I can visualize the things I'm anxious about then I can like game plan on like what I can do to make me like less anxious about those things um so yeah that's very helpful
0: do you you mind me asking when you get anxious like what the what the feeling is because again some people have panic some people have worries some people get more obsessional I don't know if for you it takes any particular flavor
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a new thing for me, honestly, like the past, I think, quarantine and the breakup simultaneously kind of started that all. Um, For me, it's mostly like work related when I'm overwhelmed with like a lot of things to do. And then the smallest thing will like set it off. So if I have, you know, a huge list of things to do, whether it's like videos to film or whatever, and then I'm filming a video and then my like, camera glitches then I just feel like my heart just like completely like tight like my chest tightens I start to think about all the other things I have to do and now this thing happened and then I get super like hot and overwhelmed and it's just like it's not fun so then I guess for me and it's funny too because a lot of these anxiety I I wouldn't diagnose myself with like anxiety attacks because I haven't like talked to a professional but um, whatever this is, a lot of times I'll like capture it on camera because I'll be in the middle of like filming content for YouTube or whatever it is and I'll go back and watch and it's the saddest thing because I'll just like completely like be a mess for a second and then I'm like breathing, breathing, breathing and then I'll be like, okay, and then take a deep breath and be like, hi, I'm upsell, blah, 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 like all good back in the camera. So I think I've I've had to learn how to keep it like under control and like bounce back and for me i guess it's just visualizing things yeah
0: yeah and that's where i think the validation is so important because one of the things that really starts people having an anxiety spiral whatever people want to call it whether they're experiencing panic whether you know experiencing just intense worry whatever it may be is not only when they have that reaction initially is when they say that that reaction is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And you know most of the time when we get anxious initially, it's for a reason. I mean, our bodies are wired to sense danger, whether it's emotional danger, physical danger, anything. But what really gets people moving in, in, a, in a tough direction is when they say like, stop it, I, I, it can't be this, I don't understand, there's no reason for this. And then it's like someone telling you to shut up. And if someone tells you to shut up, it's like, well, what are you going to do? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it a little bit louder now.
1: Right. You know,
0: I'm, I, mean, I mean, and if you want to keep going with this, I'm going to scream it at you if you keep telling me to shut up. And it can happen in like 10 seconds, you know, from zero to 100, you know?
1: Yeah, your body's like, oh, you don't want to be anxious? Let me just make it worse for you really quick. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like you, you don't want to pay attention to me. Okay, well. Let's see how this is going to go. I'm going I'm to teach you the next time. And unfortunately, that's one of—I mean—that's what happens with physical pain. You know, if we have like, you know, let's say we we pulled, you know, a muscle, and it's like, okay, we pull the muscle. We keep, you know, walking on it or whatever, and then it's like, I, I'm going to I'm going to pull the muscle even more. I'm going to make you in so much pain that you can't get up you until it. you start paying attention. And emotionally, it's not—it's not radically different. Like our our body and our minds just say. Are you, are you, can we have a can we have a conversation now, or does this need to be a shouting match? Yeah. You know, and it's it's like having that conversation with yourself is so important.
1: One hundred percent. Oh my gosh, yeah, that just made yeah. Damn, I'm learning so much in the past thirty minutes. I'm like, wow, so eye opening. I love it. <laughs>
0: oh, me too. You know, so one of the things that I read, which was a really interesting review of one of your, I don't know if it was a song or an album that said that you had a really good grasp of combining swagger and vulnerability. And that concept I thought was just, you know, obviously it was a cool review, but it's so interesting because one of the biggest things that people worry about when they have anxiety and when they think about being vulnerable is that by definition they lose their swagger. And that is something that makes it so important that people like yourself who are out there in the world with very obvious swagger talking about vulnerability as something that, that those two things go together. And I'm kind of curious from your perspective, like how you balance those, because that's one of the biggest things that people worry about is like, am I going to lose my swagger? Am I going to lose my mojo in front of everybody?
1: Yeah, I think for me. So like I moved to LA when I was 19 and I barely knew anybody and was just kind of thrown into, into sessions. And pretty quickly just coined the the brand I I basically decided my brand was going to be like me being a mess like that was just me because I was a mess I had no clue what I was doing and I was just whatever and so I just started owning it like with all my friends I was I would be the friend that's a mess like I would show up late because I was in the session and my emotional whatever wasn't like I just started to like own it and make it like more of a confidence thing I guess and that might be super fucked up and unhealthy. I'm not sure. But for me, it was it was fun.
0: No, yeah. owning owning your mess is like, you know, it's like when people say like handle your scandal, I mean, or like whatever, like they people have so many terms for that. But I I like the idea of owning your mess because what that says is my and and look, there's a lot of people who've said this in a lot of different ways, but when when your vulnerability is your swagger, mm-hmm. that's when you're you're in a good place. If your swagger is predicated on lack of vulnerability, lack of, lack of, 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 of tough negative emotions, yeah, it's just, it's just not going to work over time.
1: Right. I think, yeah, exactly. They both, yeah, they definitely go like hand in hand. And for me, I guess, and I think it's because I'm a songwriter being vulnerable is when you feel like the most powerful, like when you're in the studio and you're, talking about your feelings and you write an amazing song about it. Like that to me is when I feel like the most empowered. So I think that's kind of carried over into my life as well. Like there's so much power in being vulnerable and being just real and raw and open about your feelings. And I think that rubs off on the people around you too. And it makes the people around you feel more comfortable too, to like also be that way. Like nobody... Is invincible, like everybody has bad days, and when I have a bad day, I'm gonna make sure everyone knows I'm having a bad day, that's just how I am. But yeah, I think just owning it, I also, I mean, I think it also stems from like when I was a kid, I was so shy, which is weird now because now I just like jump around on stage half naked and have the time of my life, but like I was really shy, and there was a time I remember I started at a new school when I was 10, it was like a performing arts school. So everyone went there. It was like loud and crazy or whatever. And there was a time where I like literally decided in my head, I was like, I'm going to just fake it until I make it like I'm outgoing now. And this idea of just like owning something and just like, whether or not I felt that way internally, I just like faked it until now I'm like a very outgoing person. I think it's, it's very similar. with just like owning being a mess too. You can like rewire your brain almost. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and you know what you're talking about with people and this kind of brings us full circle I guess from the relationship discussion is that you know what's the point of having relationships other than to be able to be vulnerable? I mean if you're not vulnerable, if you don't have any any weak points, you don't really need relationships. you can have I guess transactional connections to people, but you don't need friendships you don't need romantic relationships. and again you know that idea of, you know people when they have a breakup oh i'm so vulnerable and, and and that just may be the time when you're developing that part of yourself that's going to be that most powerful part the part that really matters to people because you now you can connect you can empathize like that's what people need that's what that's the world they want to create not one where oh if i slip up like nobody's going to like me i mean that what, what's even the point of building a world like that
1: yeah no, for sure. That's actually, yeah. I mean, especially making friends, I guess, too, in like a big city where, you know, it's hard to find like real. That was my biggest thing It was so hard to find like real genuine people. It does take a lot of like vulnerability and a lot of like trust in other people's like <laughs> decency as a human being. And that you have to like kind of let yourself, you know, be a little uncomfortable and like out of your comfort zone in order to build some of like like a lot of like my, my best friends I've made have been from me just kind of having to like push myself out of my comfort zone and be vulnerable. And now I have like these amazing relationships. So yeah, definitely.
0: Well, Taylor, thank you so much for, I just called you tell you want me to no, go up, for so? it. Whatever. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Taylor, thank you so much for coming on going there. I appreciate, you know, you're sharing your music, sharing your story. I know it's going to help a lot of people. So thanks so much.
1: Thank you for having me. This felt like a a little therapy session. I feel amazing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad. All right. So there it is. Singer, songwriter, and musician Upsall talking about coping with anxiety after a breakup. And one of the most important takeaways from our conversation is something we discussed towards the end about success and failure. We may be inclined to think of a relationship that ended as a failure, whereas often we see a relationship that endures as a success And that's in part because relationships fulfill so many of our needs. We feel connected, we get practical and emotional support, and we often feel less lonely. And there is a societal bias that if we are in a relationship, that means we are okay. We are whole and we have our lives together. And there's often a stigma for people who are single or have endured a breakup that somehow they are less than. And I don't want to minimize how horrible a breakup can feel. Many of us have felt like Upsall felt, and I appreciate her being willing to share how she struggled following a breakup. But a relationship ending is not necessarily an indication of failure. And just because a relationship endures, it is not necessarily a success. What matters, whether or not a relationship lasts, are two things. First, during the relationship, did we consistently try to do our best to achieve love, connection, and support? And second, did we learn to be better partners and people? And if we do those things, we can ultimately see all relationships as successes to some degree. And we can build on that success as we experience and learn from different relationships over the course of our lives. Look, I know that's easier said than done, but not all relationships are meant to last. Sometimes we're not with the right person, or it's not the right time for one of us, or we're simply not able to do the work we need to make the relationship endure at that time but it is crucial that we still take with us the good parts of a relationship and learn from what didn't work. And we mustn't beat ourselves up for being human and making mistakes as we learn and grow. I want to thank Consequence Podcast Network and Sound Mind Live for including me in this wonderful project. And thanks to Pete Wilson and the Rooks for letting us use their song, I Know. If you are struggling with anxiety, depression, or addiction and are looking for help, please call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration National Helpline at 1-800-622-4357. And if you're thinking about harming yourself and want to seek help, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. You may also go to the Sound Mind Live and Consequence websites for more information. So be healthy, be safe, and be kind to yourself and others. See you next time at the Crossroads.